0: the world had a had a really good thing going and till, the, till the devil stepped in and, and tripped up Adam and Eve, right? And everything changed from that moment on. But you know what? I'm so glad that though Adam and Eve did that, God didn't just toss them away and say, well, they didn't do too well. Let's start all over. I'm glad God didn't do that with you. And you know what? He put as many couples as he want there. You know what? One time or another, they would all tripped up. Some way or another, probably tripped up. And that's why he promised his son before the foundation of the world. Because when you have love, if you're going to have real love, there has to be a choice. You can't put a bunch of people out here that are programmed that at such and such time of day, we're just going to bow down and we're going to worship the Lord. And we're programmed like a computer just to do the right thing. No, it's free will. And sometimes we mess up. Sometimes we get steered in the wrong direction. Sometimes we get tripped up. But how many of you thankful for God who come down and say, you know what? I'm going to restore this, and we're going to work it out. Amen? And so that's what God did. He came down, and he, he met with Adam and Eve, and he restored them and gave them a promise of a coming Savior. And that's what we're talking about today. And, uh, you know, why, why do you do that? Because, because he, he loves us. And He wants you and He wants me to live in victory. And He wants us to live life to the full. But to make that necessary, it was was necessary for Him. Or to make that happen, it was necessary for Him to send His one and only Son. And I want to speak this morning about the conquering Christ. Say that with me. The conquering Christ. Right? Galatians 4.4 says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, Jesus Christ. God knew the exact moment. He knew when to send him. And I want you to know he didn't send him in the world that was just rolling along and doing great. It was was a very tough time. It was a dark time. It was a time there had been 400 years where there had been no real prophetic word. There's nothing in Scripture, you know, for 400 years. The end of Malachi till the book of Matthew, 400 years. The dark ages had passed. The world was in trouble. It's in the darkest time that God said, you know what, in the fullness of time, I'm going to send my son. I want you to know God's still doing that. When it looks like the, the storm's the darkest, the things are the worst, I want you to know, get ready. Because oftentimes, that's when God steps in and all of a sudden transforms everything. You ever been amazed how these incredible storms come through? You ever been amazed how you wake up the next morning and the sky is just amazing. It's just bright and beautiful. You ever notice those things? God can do the same thing in your life. And he wants to do that, right? And so God sent his son and how you realize that from the very beginning that Satan attempted to take Christ out. Because if Christ would lose then we lose. But if Christ wins, we win, right? So the adversary set out, the devil he set out to take Christ out. And we see from the very beginning he tried to he tried to assassinate him in the cradle. Do you remember that? He tried to take him out from the very get-go. They were there, Jesus Christ is born into the world. Just a defenseless infant in a cradle. And, and if you remember the story, you can read about it in Matthew chapter 2. You can read about it. You remember when the wise men came into the city and, uh, and they talked with King Herod and they, and they asked him, they said, hey, king, <laughs> where is he who is born king of the Jews? How many you know that kind of got Herod's attention? And uh, Herod has the religious leaders go, hey, go back. Where's this this Christ child supposed to be born? Oh, he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem, just down the road here. Oh, okay. And so he sends the the wise men out and says, hey, go find him. When you find him, tell me so that I can go and worship him too. How do you know he didn't have worshiping in mind? He had murder in mind. He was going to assassinate this child, Jesus Christ. But how do you know that even in spite of in spite of the enemy's plan to do that, that God stepped in. God intervened. Jesus Christ overcame because the Father intervened at that time. And he stepped in and he warned the wise men. He warned them in a dream. He said, whatever you do, don't go back. Don't go back to Herod. Don't tell him anything. So they went back and traveled back to the east going by another route. In the middle of the night, God spoke to Joseph, Jesus' earthly father. He spoke to him. He told him. He warned him in a dream. He said, Take your family. Get out of here. Flee to Egypt because Herod is going to come after him. And that's exactly what happened. And Herod came in, and we know that he took out the, all the lives of the male boys, the male children from two years old and younger. He wanted to make sure it was covered. But how do you know Satan's plan failed? He didn't take out the Christ. How? Because God intervened. God intervened, and he gave knowledge to people that needed it so that, that they could make the moves necessary. I want you to know that you and I are here today, and we are saved today. If we're saved, we're saved today because of God's intervention. It wasn't because of us. How many realize that, that we were as defenseless spiritually? We were as defenseless as Jesus was in that cradle. There, We have no power against Satan. We have no supernatural spiritual power uh, in and of ourselves. We need somebody bigger than us. Amen? And it's the same way. It's because God has intervened. And I want you to know, when I was saved on that day in October of 1980, when I was saved, it was God coming, intervening, speaking to my heart and, and stirring me. And then I responded and invited him in. And it's the same for you. How do you know we need God to intervene by way of salvation? We need God to come into our homes. We need God to come into our communities. We need God to come back into America. Amen? We need an intervention from heaven. And God is willing and wants to do that. But that's how Christ overcame. Aren't you glad for that? Though Satan tried to take him out at the cradle, it didn't work. And then years later, the devil would tempt him on a crest. At this point in time, Jesus was 30 years old. He'd grown up in the same world that we did. One day, it's my dream, I want to go to Israel. I want to walk on the same physical roads that Jesus walked. I want to get out on a boat on the Sea of Galilee. I want to go to some of those places I know Jesus was physically here. Wouldn't that be cool? How many of you ever been to Israel? Huh? All right, got to get a trip. A couple of you. we got to get a trip together. we got to go to Israel. Amen. Don't worry about it. Safest place you can go. All right? <laughs> But he grew up. He grew up in the same world we did, with the same type of human body that we have, facing the same life challenges and temptations that we do. Hebrews 4 4 says, He was tempted in every way that we are, but he did not sin. Satan tempted Christ, he enticed him, tried to, commit him to, commit him to get him to commit to sin. And ca- attacked him at that weakest moment when he was most vulnerable. Because it was during this time Jesus, Jesus was on a 40-day fast. How many, of you, how many of you struggle to not be grumpy when you're hungry? <laughs> oh, how you are in a better mood when you're well fed? Can I get an amen? All right? It was a little bit better. Put on a 40-day fast. It's in this time the enemy attacked him. And three different times. First, he asked him the first couple temptations. Uh, he asked him. He says, "He says, if you are the son of God, try to get him to prove himself. All right, trying to get him to prove his identity." And and then he just he just keeps working on him and and keeps trying to tempt him, and um, and then entices him. He attacks him to offers him the he takes him on the mountain peak and where he can see all the kingdoms and entices him with them and say, "Hey, I'll give you these. You know, I got control over them right now. I'll give it to you." If you'll just bow down and worship me. But Jesus didn't fall for it. How many of you glad he didn't fall for it? He's a sinless lamb of God. He had his, he had his way. Let me tell you, how I many of you know there's nothing wrong with, there wouldn't be anything wrong with Jesus ruling the kingdoms of the world. Anything wrong with that? Is there anything wrong with Jesus just saying, hey, I am who I am? Is there anything wrong with Jesus proving his identity? Have you ever stood up for who you are and who your name is? Anything wrong with that? No. But it's how that he was being tempted to go about it. Somebody said one of the greatest, the greatest temptations is we're trying to meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. We have a real need, but we're trying to fix it in a way that's contrary to the way God wants us to walk. Amen? And that's where the trouble comes. And so enemies trying to get him. Why is it, why is this so important? Because if the enemy gets Christ to sin one time, it's over. He is disqualified as coming. He came to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. There's no way he could take away the sins of the world if he had sin in himself. Amen? It's all over. And we have no hope either because we've all sinned. How many of y'all confess? We've all sinned, right? We've sinned. And so it, was, it, was, it would have been over. And so Satan was trying to to do this and, and trying to work it. And I just want to say, let's be careful that we live in the righteousness of the Lord. That's how, that's how Christ overcame. He, he overcame. He overcame by the word of God. And that's why the word of God is so important that we hide in our heart. We can fight the, the attacks of the enemy. Amen. And so he overcame at the crest by the word of the Lord. And I want you to know the end does not justify the means. <laughs> Right? Don't let the enemy cause you to compromise. And so he didn't, he didn't stop, and he, he continued on. And then moving towards the, the end of his life, I'll mention a few more things. Satan also attacked him, came against him to convict him in a court. How I many you know our adversary is an accuser of the brethren? You ever messed up somewhere and all of a sudden the enemy comes and, yeah yeah look at you look what you did look at you you can't hide him mean, he's always he's just always on you right and trying to beat you up even if you ask God to forgive you he's still trying to come and accuse and condemn you right that's just how he works but how you know the devil had nothing on Jesus all he could do was send some false witnesses against him and lie about him ever had anybody accuse you falsely anybody ever had anybody to attack your Uh, your reputation well listen you're not alone and and don't don't feel too sorry for yourself because jesus had that happen to him and he's like the son of god right so he tried. The enemy tried to to take him out in a in a in a court and and I mean just victim, just such victimization. I mean just coming against him and just attacking, attacking his character. I want you to know. Listen, it, don't worry about it. Somebody is attacking your reputation. Don't you worry about it. You keep an eye on your character. That you keep your heart right before God, and let God take care of your reputation. <clears throat> Amen. Because sooner or later, it'll come around. But guess what? You probably can't do much about it anyway. So why spend all your time fretting over it? So let God take care of it. And so Jesus is trusting that. How many you know there was a time he was, he he stood there silent. He wouldn't defend himself. He wouldn't stand up for himself. Come on, how many of you, Jesus, you might have been tempted to do a few things. (laughs) Well, let me show you. (laughs) Let me, boom. (laughs) Your hair's gone. (laughs) Boom, your, your toes are off your left foot, you know, whatever. Huh? You know, boom, I'm going to elevate you in the air and just let you hang there, you know. Uh, come on, have you anybody got imagination? If I had that kind of power, <laughs> oh, God help the world. <laughs> and you too, amen? God could have, Jesus could have done some things. Uh, just defend himself, but he didn't do that. God, I, Father, I'll let you take care of it. They're trying to convict me. But you know what? It went out and they made their case. Those against him made their case, made it before Pilate. Matthew, there Matthew is mentioned once. You go to Luke, it mentions three times where Pilate says, I don't find any fault in him. I find no, I find no, this man not guilty. There's no fault. He's not done anything deserving any kind of punishment. He comes back again. He says, you know what? I find no fault in him. I can't see anything against him. I can't see any reason to punish him. He comes back a third time. I, don't, I find no fault in him. I can't find any reason to convict the man. He's not committed any crime, he's not done anything. <coughs> and he said, besides that, you know, he said, even, even Herod, I sent him to Herod, and, and Herod sent him back to me because Herod can't find anything against him. How I many you know Jesus Christ beat the devil in that scheme as well because he was living in the righteousness of God? Satan could throw all the darts at him. He could, but he couldn't find anything. It just wouldn't stick because it wasn't true because we, he's a sinless Savior. Amen? And so, it all, all falls short. God, help us to live in the righteousness of God. Amen? God will take care of the rest if we'll do that. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. Right? Well, I'm glad that Pilate did that, but he's, he's still an unbeliever and, and still likes to be lifted up and still kind of likes his job. And so the people, the crowd's all crying out, you yeah, know, we want him, crucify him, give him to us and all of that. And so because the crowd just wouldn't stop, Pilate hands Jesus over because of public pressure. God give us leaders that will not do what's best to get the vote. That'll do what's right for our country no matter what it costs. Aren't you glad we serve a God like that? He's not doing it because it's popular. He's doing it because it's beneficial, productive. Just saying. Yeah? So he he surrenders them over to the crowd and the enemy attempts to destroy Christ with a cross. One of the it's amazing how that, that symbol, the cross, has been totally transformed. And that's a whole other, whole other story. But putting Christ on the cross, it was Satan's plot. But how many of know it was God's plan? And it was Jesus' choice. I want you to get that. It was Jesus' choice to put on the cross. He wasn't there because just Satan had this, had this plot against him. Jesus was there because he chose to surrender to the Father's will. How many you know that Jesus knew what was coming? He kept telling his disciples, he kept telling them what was going to happen, right? And he knew the scriptures, that's how he had defeated the enemy before. Jesus knew the scriptures. I want to read something to you. I, want to, I think it's really important, I want to read it, I want to, read it to you. Um, it's found in Isaiah 53. Now when I read this, I want you to realize that what I'm about to read to you was written 700 years ago. Before Jesus came. Seven hundred years. Now, who, who's this sound like? Isaiah 53, verse 3, it says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and he was and he esteemed, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. Remember him being pierced in the side? He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearers is silent, so did he not open his mouth. Right? He was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people. He was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked. You remember he was hung between two thieves? And with the rich in his death, (coughs) put in a rich man's tomb, Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it was Satan's will to crush him. Well, that's probably true, but that's not what it says here. It says it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. God doesn't want us to suffer, but that's what it says. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the Lord, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. And after the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. No, God doesn't desire for somebody to suffer. He certainly didn't desire for his son to suffer to suffer. But he did desire for him to suffer for a reason. Because it was necessary for him to suffer so that you and I could be set free. Now, let me you, you, let me make this clear. How many moms we got here? Come on, how many moms? How many? All right. You because you were willing to suffer Your children are here today. So there was suffering involved, but there was suffering for a reason. The scripture says that Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. And that's what God had in mind. He just didn't want randomly, hey, I want to hurt my son. I want to put him through this. No. He said, son, I'm going to ask you to take this on. Because at the end of it, you're going to be all right And all these people are going to have opportunity to be with us again and enjoy eternity forever. I'm asking you if you will take it on. And he didn't force him. Jesus prayed at the the garden. He prayed and he said, Father, if there's another way. If there's another way for this to be done. Oh God, let this cup pass from me. Let me not have to go through this. Nevertheless. Not my will, but your will be done. He said, son, there's no other way. I, there's no other path. I need you to go through it, but I'm going to be with you. Right? Jesus told his disciples, he said, listen, I could at this very moment call legions of angels, and they would come from heaven and rescue me. I love it when the when the uh, uh, the, the, the mob comes to arrest him, and, and they, they, they ask who he is, and he confesses it, and all of a sudden they all fall backwards. <laughs> Just a little bit of touch there. You know, just back off. Like, I want you to know, I'm doing this. Satan's not in control of this. I'm in control of this. Amen? How many you know, there's a big difference there. And so he took on the cross. And so, so the enemy tried to, he had a plot to do a different thing with Jesus on the cross. To try to fear him out of it, scare him out of it. Whatever he wanted to do to crush him with it. But it didn't work. It backfired. Jesus took it on. God gave him the strength. And he endured. What the enemy intends for evil, God is able to turn around for good. Amen? God can take the tough things in our life. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus saw the multitudes that would be saved from their sins. And from Satan's grasp, he saw us. He said, with God's help, with the Father's help, I can do this. And I'm gonna do this. And he did it. He did it. You know, I don't think, I don't, I don't think all those guys working on get the electric back, I don't think they were having a picnic this past seven or eight days. Do you? Sleepless, sleepless nights, working out in the, the heat and the cold, and the rain—you know, just worn out and frazzled, and seeing the destruction firsthand—it wasn't any—it wasn't any joy for them. But the joy set before them because they saw what they were doing for us. You see, And that's what God had in mind. Does that make sense? So He tried to do that, and then finally, Satan tried to discard Him. To a crypt. I tried to throw him in that man-made cave, that tomb. And Jesus' body hung beaten, disfigured, and breathless. The final countdown to begin. With, I don't know if we have any boxers in the room. Or some of you like watching boxing, but you know, when there's been the knockout blow and, and that boxer is on the on the mat, whatever you call it. What's that referee do? Starts to count. One, two, three. If he gets to ten and that boxer's not back up, it's over. And that's exactly what happened. I'm sure people were waiting. Come on, God. Come on, God. But it didn't happen. And with that, his lifeless body, lifted down from the cross battered beaten no way no way no way Satan Satan had won Satan beat Christ the life of Jesus had ended and with it all the hopes of his followers. It was something that Peter had heard early on when Jesus talked about his death and he argued with him and he rebuked him. He said, Lord, not so. Not going to happen, right? Do you remember that? Now all that's left, the people take Jesus' lifeless body. They dispose of it. In the tomb, they place it in the crypt. They seal it with a large stone. And Rome puts guards there to protect it, to make sure nobody would steal his body. And Satan is having a party. I've won. He is no more sealed him in this tomb and he'll soon be forgotten the night passed sounds of grieving and mourning had filled the night air Saturday morning comes people going through the day some are so sad Dejected, brokenhearted. They're just quiet. They don't know what to say. Others are just apathetic. They don't really feel anything. And some are just going about business as normal. Totally unaffected like nothing happened. And Saturday comes to a close. The night is spent. And dawn is about to come. It's getting to the point of daybreak. And all of a sudden, another 10 count begins to happen. I can just hear it. Can you? And all of a sudden, you just hear it in heaven, the countdown clock. So We've got one up here. And they begin to count. 10. 9. 8. 7. 6. one whoa breath comes back into his lungs he takes off those grave clothes the stone is rolled away the earth begins to shake he's alive Jesus is risen he's not dead we knew it we knew it we knew it all the time we knew God would pull it off hallelujah he's alive can somebody shout with me he's alive Hallelujah. He's won. Satan has been conquered. He's been defeated. Come on. Would you just stand and give God praise? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.